Alright, I am back. This is Radical Humanity, and I am Ben Hoover, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I moonlight as a podcaster. I I wish there was kind of a different like a different designation for for being a podcaster. I don't know. It's kind of kind of a frumpy sounding title. Anyway, um, yeah, you know, I have to say, between my my re- my return episode and this episode, this has taken a lot of work to just record this episode. Part of it's been playing around with the machinery and twisting the knobs and doing whatnot, but then it's also been really kind of sort of getting in the zone and space to be able to record an episode, like in a, like in a sort of a sound, I would say a, a sound anchored psychological emotional state. Um, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of like mental verbal, uh, activity that happens in me. Um, and it can cause me to really derail from what I'm doing and what I want to share and how I want to share it. So anyway, it was kind of interesting. I, I imagined, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of sort of orchestrate an episode as if I was just talking to a friend because it, for me, it's just kind of foreign to just talk to an imaginary audience. <laughs> so I'll create an imaginary friend. And, uh, you know, maybe that'll work out for me anyway. And so, um, so yeah, so a lot kind of goes into this. I just, you know, I, 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 I brought my recording equipment. I just went on a trip and I got back, uh, um, just the other day and I went for, for about a week. Uh, I, I went down highway one. I went to go visit my sister who lives in Pomona in, uh, in Southern California there to go see her and my brother-in-law and my, my two sweet nephews there. And I decided, cause I hate driving down the five. Now I call the five, that's my, my Southern California roots. Um, my, my uncle in Seattle will, uh, uh, lovingly, teasingly reprimand me for calling it the five he will uh, adamantly claim that it's I-5. Anyway, but I hate driving down the 5 or I-5, depending on what you prefer. It's just an awful stretch of a drive with just nothing but farmland. And then you hit the grapevine, which I like, sort of. I get a little intimidated, some kind of panicky moments I've had in the past. And uh, anyway, I just... Not not my favorite drive. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go down Highway 1, and I'm going to make, like, I'm going to stay four nights, and on the fifth day, get to Pomona, and I'm just going to really explore. Because when I was in Ireland last year, uh, I mean, I, I booked a bunch of places around the country, and I rented a car, and <laughs> drove a stick shift on the right side of the car, on the left side of the road, and uh, I loved it. I loved driving and stopping at places and spending a bit of time adventuring, but also just enough time to where it was kind of a cursory 
journey where I could mark points of interest that I wanted to return to and explore in further depth. And so I did it in with this round and oh, I loved it and I will do it again. Actually my I don't know if it's going to be my next journey um depends on the season. But I want to I want to do a, another coastal trip but go up north and go all the way up to Seattle and stay with family. And uh and stay with the uncle who corrects me on the uh on the proper highway title. And uh and and then go explore Canada and Victoria and you know go to yeah go explore the rainforest up there so yeah but it was an incredible trip so i brought my podcast or my equipment to record podcasts and i i never did i just uh i did write some stuff so i could have some notes but i never never really committed to it and particularly because the places i was staying at were interesting, and the walls were thin, and there wasn't really privacy for me to to actually kind of have the space and uh, and and comfort zone to really record uh, myself talking. So um, so, but but a lot, you know, I, I do pour a bit of mental uh, time activity into thinking about what I'm going to talk about. And, and what I'm going to talk about, why I'm talking about it, what my point is, and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's, it's, I try to steer clear of rambling too much. So anyway, so on this episode, I, uh, and, and it was something that I was piecing together a little bit on the trip and thinking through, and I, I have multiple topics, and I'm working on them slowly, on things I want to talk about. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, and I also, even before this podcast, I went out for a walk just to clear my mind, but then I ended up thinking about past relationships and, you know, experiencing emotion and getting angry and, and uh, you know, feeling the, the pain of, you know, just some of the disappointing, hurtful experiences. Uh, so, uh, didn't quite necessarily get me in the podcast mood, but here I am. So, so anyway, I, I, I titled this podcast... Uh, why I sweat when I see the chiropractor. Now, normally, and maybe for a, a rare few out there, um, normally I imagine people don't sweat when they go to the chiropractor. But whenever I go, there's this anxious anticipation that that's going to happen. Now, I'll explain. But I'm also going to actually broaden this conversation to something that I feel is maybe more um, uh, widespread in our human experience. But it, it took this real observational, this real uh, inner observational focus to, 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 to understand and go a little bit deeper. Uh, so I love this chiropractor. When I, you know started to see him in the beginning, I thought, oh man, he's going to right away start, you know, adjusting and whatnot. Well, that wasn't the case. He took a thorough kind of verbal history and symptom intake and whatnot, and then wanted me to get x-rays and so on and so forth. And, you know, it wasn't just a, just a jump right into the chiropractor and he does a few 
neck twists and leg twists and whatever. Um, no, he, he wanted to look at the spine and, you know, and so this guy is the, I would say is the maestro of adjustments. And I've been, he, he says that I've been kind of an anomaly. I've been a tough case in the past. My body not quite responding to the adjustments. And so it was a real kind of difficult time and a, and a mystery to both of us as to why, why sometimes the adjustments weren't taking. Um, but over the course, improvements happened, and that was certainly uh, a joy and a satisfaction to both of us. But this, this doctor, I would say, is, has, is a real em empath. He's really attuned to the body and the structure and the alignment and you know, how, we, how when things are misaligned or what he calls subluxations, uh, it affects the nervous system. And then that, you know, of course, the nervous system connects to different parts of our bodies and can create all these uh, these issues. And that adjusting the, the spine of the body can, can either eliminate or greatly reduce those symptoms that sometimes we take medication for or have to do surgical procedures or whatnot. So, uh, so anyway, I, I like his mindset and like the way he works and, and, and it helps so greatly. And he's super safe to be with and, you know, great conversationalist and um, just this real kind of gentle man there. And, uh, and so, and so I, you know, I look forward to doing the adjustments. And, but then one day I was having a conversation with him and I think it was probably a deep conversation. And uh, in the course of this deep conversation, and he's a, a compatriot of the heart-to-heart the -heart dialogues there, and uh, something in the midst of this conversation compelled me to start sweating. Now, when you go to the chiropractor, it's, it's kind of vulnerable. You go onto this table, you lay face down, and, uh, and so the spine can kind of rest and get ready for the adjustment. And so then he walks in and there's three cubicles and I'm in one of them. And sometimes there's another person in one or two people in another or whatnot. And, or sometimes I'm just the only one in the, in the whole space, but it's kind of vulnerable. And you walk in and then he starts kind of feeling around the, the spine and whatnot. And, uh, and you know, we start chatting while I'm in that position and, we start, you know, talking about something, something, something subterraneous, and I start sweating. Now, just a little bit of a backstory. When I get into a space or I kind of feel cornered, and I'm not talking about anybody doing that in particular, but if I'm in a group setting or I am having a conversation and all eyes are on me, and this goes back to past experiences. I turn red or I start sweating or both. And, and so once I kind of feel almost like the spotlight's on me, people are judging me, whatever, you know, might be happening. I now, uh, I now have this physiological reaction where I start sweating. So, and then once I start sweating, oh man, that's all I become focused on. I mean, this is my... I cannot engage in conversation, all concentration, all mental eyesight in a way is, is set on this sweating. And it's this moment of, oh shit, here it comes. 
I don't think I can stop this. And the issue is, is I just, when, once I start thinking about it, it's, it starts flowing. So there's this deluge of sweat. And I mean, I can feel myself start to soak and my shirt is soaked. And it, and I, and I, the, the feeling that I can best describe in these moments is that it's as if I'm facing my death, like just, just wipe me out off the face of the earth. I mean, my, this sweating gets really activated when I start feeling helpless. And in that moment I feel, Oh God, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. You know, I'm, I, it's, it's, there's nowhere to get out. And so, you know, when people are in their, their, uh, uh, what is it? Their, their triggered state, right? Their fight or flight state, as we kind of coin that is, you know, there's fight and there's flight, there's freeze, there's comply, there's something like that, you know, and I do some of those, but no, I sweat. I start sweating. So I don't freeze. I'd love to freeze. I'd love for my body to just feel cold, but not me. I start sweating. So as soon as I feel it, right, I can't take my focus off it and it just amplifies my sweat. And, um, and so, you know, it, it, it's, I, I, and once this just flows, it just, it, it doesn't let up and it's awful. It's, it's the most uncomfortable experience and I'll explain why. It's like, you know, I'm just, you know, here, here the chiropractor is handling my body and it's wet. I mean, it's like as if you stepped into an overwatered lawn and you can just, you know, you're, it soaks your shoe, your socks and whatnot. It just, it's like, oh, just him experiencing it, 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 my body just like contorts in discomfort. And of course, you know, in the moment, you know, he's gracious and understanding and, and yet I'm uncomfortable and running away. And I think the comment he made the first time I, I had this sweating episode was, man, we get some good adjustments in when you start sweating. You need to do that more. And of course, like, you know, it was, it was an awesome response to me feeling so uncomfortable. And I think in that moment, in a moment, one of, in that moment or earlier on, I even said, can I get up and wipe myself off? And he said, no. I'm like, oh shit, this is awful. So now this is what sucks because as much as I love going to the chiropractor and want to go, I hate going to the chiropractor now because I dread, I dread this experience of sweating. I anticipate that this is going to happen. I mean, when the, the day before, the night before, I think, oh my God, I go to the chiropractor. In the drive, I'm trying to get in this meditative state. I'm trying to get pumped up. Who cares, you know? But I, I can't. I can't get out of it. You know, I, I, it's, it's this, this awful experience where I feel embarrassed and I feel shame. And, um, you know, and so, and so now, even though I anticipate sweating, most of the time, it, it, actually doesn't happen. Uh, you know, but, but a few times, aside from that one, it has happened. You know, one time I think you made the comment of like, Oh man, did you just work out? And, uh, I think my response was, no, I'm just in the hot seat. And he kind of laughed at that. And, um, but you know, I, I've also had like several strategies when, when it's come to mind. Um, there was one time where I brought a towel and he, you know, of course he pointed it out and I told him, I said, I just, 
I get frustrated because I get embarrassed of sweating. And of course, you know, he was really, again, safe and understanding and gracious and said, look, you know, we wipe these tables down all the time. Some people come in with horrible smelling perfume, like so on and so forth. Like, you know, don't worry about it. Basically, that was the message. You know, I, I even thought, you know, waited for anticipated or couldn't wait for the cold climate because I thought, okay, maybe I'll wear extra layers as if, you know, my body's already hot and sweating. So extra layers, yeah, that's going to only intensify that. But I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'll take a little bit longer to, to soak through the, through the shirt or through, you know, you know, for him to kind of feel the sweat. So even though, you know, he would eventually start adjusting my head and feel how soaking wet my, my head is. Are, are you grossed out by now? Um, so yeah, obviously I told him how embarrassing this was and, you know, we had a good conversation from that. Now, but this, this is where I went deeper. This is where my mind went as I, as I thought about this situation because I, I really, you know, kind of carefully observed this experience and my reactions and what I felt inside. Now, I noticed probably my greatest strategy, even though I haven't executed some of the ones that I thought about, except the towel one, which failed. And, uh, but the, you know, I noticed like the, the one strategy, my go-to maneuver is, is that I, I try to deter the focus away from me, away from the spotlight from, from any kind of personal direction or questions or whatnot. You know, I, I, I dread being asked, how, how are you? You know, and I, and if I do ask, I keep it really brief and, you know, and, and don't touch on anything too deeply personal, you know, but once I get the spotlight, you know, I can feel the sweat just waiting, you know, just, just waiting, waiting right at the gate for release. And, uh, and so when he comes in, you know, I, I tend to really initiate conversation. I direct the focus on him, you know, it's, it's, and, and so, you know, I'll ask about his weekend and how things went. I'll, and I'll continue to ask questions. And, but also I'm just noticing as I'm continue to throw out those little strategic maneuvers, um, I start noticing, oh God, am I going to start sweating? Am I not? And then once, you know, once I start to calm down, like everything's okay. But it's so much is built around this circumstance and, and, and avoiding any more of these episodes from happening. And so, uh, you know, I even thought about, you know, extending, maybe I'll just cancel and I'll meet the next week. But of course, you know, I, the re the truth you know, outbeats that strategy because, you know, I'm still going to worry about sweating. So it doesn't matter how long I, you know, put space between my, my, uh, chiropractic sessions, I'm still going to have to face this. But this strategy that I clung to, this one that directs the focus, the attention away from me, um, it's one that I've certainly have adopted, uh, in my younger years, particularly around peers around giving speeches, anything that would, uh, that would alleviate or greatly reduce the, the 
potential for me to experience these embarrassing physiological reactions. So, but the reality, when I, when I, I excavated further on this, was that it's, it's not about the sweating, actually. But it's, it's about the external response. What I mean by that, it's, it's about my chiropractor's response to my sweating, to me, right? It's about my peers, if I turn red, or if I say something, or if I stumble, or if I sound inarticulate, whatever it is, there's, there's this intense fear of how they will react. And when I thought further about that, that, that the response that I dread the most, that I'm, that I'm horrified to experience, is that there's this fear of judgment, of being evaluated, of being shamed, ridiculed, for the person to be disgusted, for me to experience rejection. For that is what I experienced, that, that this has to do less about my physiology and how it, and whatever it does, but it's, it has more to do with the relational dimension, the connected realm. And how this will affect the interpersonal sort of wavelength, signal, bandwidth there. And, you know, and, and realizing that what's wired in my bones, as I would say all human, humans have this innate wiring within themselves, is, is to feel this interpersonal connection, this bonding, this attachment, this, this, this unity with others, this connectedness with others. And, um, and yet it's our greatest fear, right? I mean, when we come out of the room, the womb, I mean, we, it's, it's reflexive. It's, it's innate in us to cling to, 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 to feel the other, to experience that physiological closeness and um, and then it, you know and obviously the emotional psychological closeness as well. And so, uh, so this is what I realize that I am most terrified of, is that the other person will reject me, that I'll experience their judgment, which is, which is really uh, communicate or causes distance, right? Judgment creates distance. It's this evaluation of a person's behavior that's right, wrong, good, bad, and and it it puts walls up. It puts it puts a, a, a chasm between me and the other. It 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 puts us in this oppositional place that moves us away from closeness, away from understanding, away from a richly connected experience. And so that's what I most fear. And that's what I'm horrified to experience with this chiropractor, or with my chiropractor. So I notice I hide, and I work double time to keep from sweating to avoid this outcome that I so fear, greatly fear, that I'm, I'm hiding from his judgment, from, what, from his reaction that will push me away. And so... It caused me to think further on humanity. Surprise, surprise. 
And I started to think and ask myself questions like, is this, is this what causes us to hide? This, this fear of judgment, this, whatever degree of pain we've experienced in our relationships growing up, that, that, that this is what we fear, is this disconnect, this experience, this rejection. And, and so is this what causes us to hide our true self, our honest self, or genuineness, to avoid parts of ourselves from being exposed, that we might be hurt, experience hurt from the other, someone pulling away, someone leaving, someone abandoning us. Because when I think about it, we're, I'm a vulnerable being. I, I came into this world completely vulnerable. I mean, I have no, no protective mechanisms whatsoever. I'm completely reliant on my mother for nurturing, for care, for safety, for warmth, right? For that touch, for food. And then that continues as I grow until, you know, I'm able to care for myself. But that still doesn't take away from the fact that innately I'm vulnerable, and I'm fragile, that I'm capable of being hurt, of feeling great depths of hurt, various degrees of it, whether I lose a lover, whether I, uh, I experience the death of a loved one, whether I experience the sadness and disappointment that someone couldn't connect with me, and so on and so forth. And so the truth is, is that I'm vulnerable. And whether I act to counter that or not, I can't avoid that reality that 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 is inherent in me is that I'm vulnerable that that I am in this position to experience hurt, to experience sometimes great hurt, right and that a lot of our relational pain, comes from these experiences of judgment, of being shamed, right? of, of being rejected, disgraced, uh, you name it, just completely hurt, ridiculed. Right? And so when we're, when we're children and we're in these vulnerable states, we naturally cry, we naturally express our emotion. Nothing holds us back, nothing hinders us as we express these cries of pain to be seen and cared for. And that in the hopes that our parents, that our loved ones, that the sources of safety and love and trust and, and nurturing and nourishment, that they'll attend to us, that they'll care for us in the best way. And even when they screw up, they, can, they come to us and they repair it and they own it, and it invites us to come back to that vulnerable self. But the problem is, is that we grow up in families that do sometimes damage, whether they're in, it's intentional or not, direct or indirect, and it goes, it goes unrepaired. And these hurts are, are left uh, without the balm of, of being cared for, and being loved, and being seen, right? Because as kids, we're naturally going to express that. But if we grow up, continually experience, in various ways, uh, this rupturing of safety and trust, that these cries continue to just 
uh, receive shaming and judgment and hurt and abuse and you name it, then guess what? We're going to naturally build these walls up, these psychological walls that are going to prevent us from, from going into those tender human places. And so we shut off the pain from ourselves and from others. It, it, it happens together. It's, it's not, they're not separate. And so what happens is the pain remains inside of ourselves. And we develop with these, these pains that continue to exist and reside in us. And yet we create barriers and these avoidance tactics to prevent pain from being touched from being seen and from being heard and from sharing this. And these tactics that I thought about, just like the tactic that I used when I was on that bench, was, you know, various things like we might use humor. We might even use sexuality or our, our physical strength or our affluence, uh, our intelligence risky behavior or storytelling or, you know, use anger, whatever it is. Sometimes we, we might uh, create these things or use these things as strategies to avoid being seen. And you probably have experienced this with other people and other people have experienced this in you and you've noticed this in yourself that there's, when, when the, the, the vulnerable moment gets activated, we get scared quickly and then our and then we resort to our defenses in the past i would use humor um or even sarcasm you know uh or even turn on myself right i would i would turn my anger inward um and instead of towards the person i was angry at uh and in this particular moment with the chiropractor to avoid the potential of him judging me or rejecting me or, you know, detaching from me because of my sweating, I thought, well, I'll just focus on him and I'll, you know, I'll just pay attention to him and what he's doing and show interest and care. And, and I noticed there's a, there's a friend of mine, this, I've just realized this, that there's, there's a friend of mine and, and he's this, he's this great guy. I knew him in college and, you know, we meet, off and on here and there. Haven't met in a long time. You know, met once this, I think this year. But, um, you know, I noticed that, you know, he's so attentive to listening to me and, you know, what's going on in my life and really care about it. And, and it's genuine, it's sincere. But then I notice, like when I ask about him or I, I can feel myself get uncomfortable because when I think about directing it back to him, I, this discomfort comes up in me. And I don't know, I didn't know why that was when I realized like that my experience often tells me something happening in the realm of connection between me and the other person, that I'm experiencing the other, that, that they're, I'm not experiencing openness from him. In fact, I realized that I don't, I haven't experienced him express uh, his vulnerable side you know, feeling hurt or lost or angry or whatever it might be, whatever degree of pain or struggle he's going through, I realize I don't know him. And I notice that I wonder if that's his strategy, you know, 
and I don't mean it in a negative way, it's just that's his way of navigating and having navigated this uh, this avoidance of being seen. And maybe because he just doesn't know how, maybe because he's afraid. But um, but I could feel this, something missing in the space between us that I don't, I don't know him. And that bothers me. And, and I want to know him, but then I'm also uncomfortable with asking. And I wonder if that's because he's uncomfortable of showing that side of himself. And that, in some ways, the way he... And I wonder, I don't know, that there's a loneliness that lives in him because, because he doesn't open himself up in that way. And that probably could be something very historical to him. So, so yeah, so I, I, I thought that, you know, when this pain lives inside of us that's, that's long existed, that we've carried within our souls... That, that at the anticipation of this getting any kind of exposure, right, of us even facing and feeling the pain, experiencing the potential of, of being judged by others or rejected by them, that, 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 that this is what gets activated, right? If, if this gets exposed, then there's potential to feel this, that there's even potential that, that if I feel this, if I open myself up to this, that I'll feel lonely, that I'll feel this alienation, this, this feeling of separation from others that I did as a kid, right? And, and so, and so I thought about how I cover that up and how there's this invitation for me to re-enter back into my childlike state, re-enter into this, this, this place of vulnerability that's at the core of me, that gets, you know, that, you know, when I start to go there, it gets activated by fear. And, and that experience or get close to being in this position of, of feeling hurt, of feeling pain, of opening myself up to that, to the other person, right? And so, and so when we're younger, we hide these, these things because we didn't experience this loving response, something that would allow us to feel this, to process this out, to express this and be cared for. And that's the very thing that we need to repair this, to re-enter into back into those vulnerable places, back into that child self, in a way. And so, but the but the reflex when we're in danger is that we 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 go into the shadows. But to counter this, that I see for myself is to bring this out of the shadows, bring this into the light. And so, what that means is. For me to be able to say to the chiropractor, look, I got to be honest with you. As much as I love coming, I hate coming. I dread it because I anticipate myself sweating and it's an awful experience. It's, it's awful. I just, I think of ways to avoid going. I think of ways to avoid the possibility of sweating. I know we've talked about it, but I've got to say this for me and I've got to be honest with you that it's awful and that I worry 
It's not about the sweating as much as I worry about your reaction. I fear that I'll get rejected, that I'll that you'll get disgusted, and I hate that. Because I don't want that to happen. And I'm scared about saying this to you, and I'm scared about experiencing that. That, for me, would be vulnerable. That, for me, would be bringing this into the light and not barricading this in myself and then constantly worried and anticipating that that this could get exposed. But so much of us, I imagine, we live this way. That these defense strategies are infused into our personality and our way of living and it blocks us from engaging, from living out of our true selves. And so, for me, I realized that, that man, this just doesn't let up for me. That, that, I, that I am invited to listen to my truth, which I would say is this, this inner stirring, this anxiety, this, this voice that's screaming inside the padded walls of my soul. That's, that's crying out to be let out. To let this pain be heard and seen, to, to actually breathe. Because what it does is it just, holding it in, it suffocates me. It does. It constricts me from living and experiencing life. What I want, what I prefer, is that I sweat and I can be vulnerable. And not beat myself up and not express in an embarrassed way, but to be able to, with strength, with genuineness, express what this is like. And not in an apologetic way. So, so this is what I uncovered. And this is what I wonder that we hold, that we experience, that we run up against in our lives. And for me, and I think more and more I do this, but I, when there's something that I know needs to be said, when there's something I know that, that is, is beckoning me to be looked at, to be expressed, to, to, to be brought out to the light, to others. That when I don't, there's this restlessness, this anxiety, this, this cabin fever-like feeling. And it's so frustrating. And I notice in myself that I, I start to retreat. I start to experience life more insecurely, more timidly, more cautiously. But when I'm more vulnerable when I'm open, when I express myself with, with pure genuineness, without this concern about the other. But even if I do feel concerned, I can even express that and say that. That when I, when I can articulate this, when I can hit those notes of vulnerability, something in me awakens, something in me becomes energized. Life just... I don't know how to describe it. This it just becomes color. It it, it 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 gets its color back. This excitement takes over. And there's this desire to devour life again. So anyway, uh yeah, these are some of my ponderings, my musings, my quandaries, my questions. And I hope I hope that you listen to your stirrings. I hope that you begin to listen to the anger in you, the sadness in you, the the sexuality in you, the loneliness in you, the 
the anxiety, whatever it is, because those, the dreams that come up, the, the things that I got to do this, I got to seek this out, I got to talk to this person, I got to be honest, I got to, whatever it is, that you begin to listen to that. But it's a bold move to go in that direction. Because there is the risk of it costing something. And that could be losing relationship. It could be someone pulling away. But more and more, I hang my hat on. I can anchor in this that at least I spoke my truth. At least I was genuine. And that's hard. I even remember I went on a, a date back in May, a couple of dates with this person, and you know I was total, totally genuine, and I asked her out, you know, and it led to us going out. But I remember before the second date, I thought because I paid for everything the first date, and you know because that's the cultural expectation, right, that the guys pay. And um, but I noticed when I do this that I. When I jump all in, I pay for everything, and it's kind of this way of like sort of securing things, and because there's such a fear that if I ask to split something, that you know I get rejected or the person pull away or whatnot, or so I, I I jump all in and I pay for everything, and then and then I hit the brakes and I think, whoa, 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 hang on, like I don't want to be the only one investing in this, you know, this needs to be mutual, and so I was feeling this out on the second date, and I was so scared you know, before even going out with her again, because I thought, I, I don't want to pay for the meal this time. I really don't. And, um, and so, you know, we met up and I started to lose interest in her and just wasn't feeling it. And then she went to the bathroom and we we're getting ready to go. And I thought, oh shit, I tried to, I tried to talk myself out of it. Like, nope, I'm going to pay. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this. And I couldn't, I couldn't. I had I had to honor that and so I I just said, Do you mind if we, you know, split it? And she goes, Sure. And it seemed great and you know, walked to the car and both agreed, like, yeah, let's hang out again and then when I texted her a couple of times I didn't get any response back. And then I waited a week because I thought it had to do with it probably had to do with the fact that I asked to split things. And I texted her and I said, I gotta know. I gotta know, like, why no response back? And she totally judged me. She totally threw out a judgment about how she didn't think I wanted committed relationship because I asked to split the check and she's old fashioned and you know and and uh, and life's not fifty fifty and she figured I wanted something more convenient. I mean, just like ouch. And I thought about that afterwards, and I you know and and kept listening to other people say, oh yeah, well the men have to pay and all this stuff, but but yet, but yet my truth was yeah, but I don't want to do that all the time. That's not genuine for me. Sometimes I want to, and I and I want to do it because I want to do it. But there's other times where it's like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. I don't want that in a relationship. And so, but it it was it was a hard, painful experience of listening to that and yet getting rejected. And that's the cost. That when we listen to these truths in ourselves, when we share these with other people, when we open up. You know, when we make decisions out of that, yeah, sometimes it doesn't go well in the sense that the other person goes away, rejects us, judges us, evaluates us, right? We lose the other person. And that is the risk. 
And that's the risk that I keep wanting to take. And I hope you do too. Till next time.